0: Buckaroo Holiday
1: Buckaroo Holiday. Welcome once again to Buckaroo Holiday, an agglomeration of lies half-truths and evasions that will not fool the American people, coming to you from the once hollowed grounds of schoolyard gents, built in the historic town of Bayshore in a manner inconsistent with the intentions of its framers. I'm Mike Sport Murphy, and there is no limit to my mendacity, arrogance, and self-interest. So as you know, if you listened to the last Buckaroo Holiday, I had intended to do a program based around my own music. I did prepare for it. I spent quite a number of hours preparing for it, but uh, it turned out not to not to work right now. It's, it's not going to happen right now. So I apologize to both of you for that. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to do a regular show, but I'm a little pinched for time because I didn't have much time to prepare for this. Um, it's fine. It's fine. I'm a real pro when it comes to fake radio by now. And I think I can wing it. Let's see. You be the judge. Hello? Executive washroom? Hey, Sport here.
2: Oh, come on down. We're here making plans.
1: On my way. Gotta stop that man. I gotta stop that
3: man. Cold, or he'll stop me. Big deal, big rocket. Thinks he has the world in his pocket. Gotta stop, gotta stop. Don't
4: stop that man! Oh, look at him standing there staring at himself in the mirror.
3: Now there you are. Yes, there's that face. That face that somehow I trust. It may embarrass you to hear me say it, but say it I must. Say it I must. You have the cool clear eyes of a seeker of wisdom and truth. Yet there's that up turned chin and that grin of impetuous you. Oh, I believe in you. I believe in you I hear the sound of good solid judgment whenever you talk Yet there's the bold, brave spring of the tiger that quickens your walk ow, ow, ow. <laughs> oh! I believe I believe in you, and when my faith in my fellow man all oh, but falls apart, I but to feel your hand grasping mine, and I take heart. I take heart. Cool, clear eyes of a seeker of wisdom and truth. Yet, with the slam, bang, tang, reminiscent of gin vermouth. Oh, I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in you God stop that man God stop that man yeah. for he'll stop me take wheel take beaver for hot with run on the sea God stop God stop God stop that man oh. I believe in you Oh, let it be such a hero I believe in You You
1: Robert Morse, of course, of course From How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying By the wonderful, wonderful Frank Lesser There's a lot about that piece that I love, aside from its considerable charms uh, musically, uh, lyrically, just in the arrangement of it, and in the exuberance of the performance, it's just the setting of it that I love. He's singing it to himself in a mirror. You know, that kind of self-affirmation can be difficult for some of us and uh, can be vitally important to survive. It isn't a natural confidence, it's an applied intention and is often mistaken for narcissism or egomania by narcissists and egomaniacs. Now, that was a fairly familiar song. I know uh, most of you probably have heard it at some point or another, and uh, I told you the show wasn't going to always be about obscurities. So you might find more familiar things creeping in in here and there, sometimes even um, more obscure numbers by artists you've heard of. One thing I have planned for this show, somewhere along the line, is a piece by a guy that I never liked at all. something about his personality always put me off. Ever since I was a kid. And I don't really like a lot of his records. But I got one record of his. I got a couple that I really dig now, because I try to get over my own prejudices, you know? So despite what annoyed me about him, is the frog noise he used to make, the the helmet head hairdo that he wore, I was wrong. I've come around and... uh, You'll hear something by him later. Of course, I'm talking about...
5: Bobby Goldsboro. That's
1: right. I ain't kidding either. It's gonna happen. I don't know when it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen soon. And it's gonna happen here. But getting back to the music and the semi-familiar... This also reflects the mindset I'm in. Which is brought on by... That doesn't matter what brought it on. The uh, thing I love about this is, you know... It's Alan Price, who I really, really dig. And... Um, He's such a cynic that he thinks it's something terrific if you have a friend on whom you think you can rely. That's about as far as he'll go, and I get it.
6: If you
3: have a friend on whom you think you can rely, you are a lucky man. If you found the reason to live on and not to die, you are a lucky man. And poets and scholars don't know it. Temples and statues and steeples won't show it. If you've got the secret, just try not to blow it. Stay a lucky man. A lucky man. If you found the meaning of the truth in this whole world, you are a lucky man. If knowledge hangs around your neck like pearls instead of chains, you are a lucky man. And talkers won't tell you Teachers and preachers will jump by and sell you When no one can tempt you with heaven or hell If you are, if you are what you are, and that's a lucky man. Oh yeah, a lucky man. And that's a lucky, a lucky, a lucky man. A lucky, a lucky,
2: a lucky man.
1: Rasan Rowan Kirk Spirits Up Above from his volunteered slavery album before he took on the name Rasan, and again we had Alan Price from the soundtrack from Old oh Lucky Man an album I cherish I'll probably wind up playing a lot more Alan Price in these shows because I don't think there's a writer whose worldview jibes with mine quite as much as his it wasn't that all his records were great a lot of them I really don't like at all but when he hit it he really nailed it for me I know a lot of people that it doesn't grab them like that. So what what can you do? I, I love it. How about we pretend to have a little bit of a live festival here? It'll kick off with a song by an act called Freud, Marx, Engels, and Jung. A suicide anthem.
3: We are now Asks her of her name. She answers with no shame and not a sense of sin. Till the fingers.
1: Pleasures of the Harbor, the original version of that on the album of the same name was uh, pretty different. It had this very involved, almost through-written orchestral accompaniment, which was appropriate because it comes off like a soundtrack, and the song was based on a John Ford movie. But it can seem a little bit stilted and precious compared to this version, which was recorded at a concert at Carnegie Hall. Pretty notorious because Phillips came out in a gold Elvis Presley suit. This was in 1970, I guess, and um, instead of doing all the protest songs all the good liberals in the audience wanted, he started singing Elvis tunes and country songs and was booed at and heckled by people who didn't understand or agree with his idea that uh, if Che Guevara became Elvis Presley, we'd have real revolution in this country. I think it was a pretty cool conceptual gesture, even if I um, kind of despise the idea behind it. But uh, that's all right. I have a lot of sympathy for Phil and none for that audience. Some of them, to be fair, supported his gesture. And the somewhat chaotic results of it all can be heard on an album called Gunfight at Carnegie Hall. And I like that version. I think the tension of the evening probably contributed something to it, there's something pent up about it, and a little little bit uh, florid on the piano there, I think it was Lincoln Mayorga, but I hear something very intense and real in it, so um, I prefer that version. i got to mention that uh, I realized something just now about that little mini, mini medley there that I didn't intend, started it with a song from National Lampoon's Lemmings, which was a parody of Woodstock that the National Lampoon put together in the mid-70s, and in this warped version of Woodstock, all the hippies had banded together for the sole collective purpose of suicide. Kind of anticipated Jonestown, I had come to think of it, but uh, Phil Oaks did commit suicide, and um, that might create a, uh, an association there that sounds like some kind of morbid joke, and I did not intend that, I really just wanted to... those three songs and they were all live so I just linked them up and to my horror I just discovered that unfortunate coincidence. Anyway, unintentional. Back to the lampoon for a moment. Before the National Lampoon devolved into a kind of a frat boy tits and ass joke magazine, it was pretty cutting and and, uh, had some of the greatest artists and writers working at the time and the stance was uh, truly irreverent. I loved that they uh, made as much fun of the left as they did of the right. I thought that that was how you did things. I thought that's what uh, satire was supposed to do. As a kid caught up in the thrill of the moon landing and a lot of the other really cool things that were happening at the time. As well as inspired by things like free speech and uh, the civil rights movement. And horrified by things like the way the war was going and the assassinations of King and Kennedy. The big fuss about Woodstock. Eh. All that rolling around in the mud listening to Alvin Lee. Sounds like the kind of purgatory that makes one long for hell. Although, Sly and a Family Stone, wow, you know. That was a hell of a performance. Anyway, I felt then and I feel now that the counterculture had by then become poison. It was uh, a disaster for this country and for a lot of families these people who were carrying flowers one day and planting bombs the next day. It sickened me and, you know, as as a kid. And I watched firsthand how the turn on, tune in, drop out idea decimated more young people than Vietnam did. So I don't know, to reject the excesses of the two sides as it's presented to us. To think for oneself, doesn't make one a centrist, doesn't make one a an apathist, but you don't want to hear this. But it all relates somewhat to something that I'm going to get into later, so you'll understand when I get there. Anyway, in the middle we had Wondering by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. That was also from, I think, 1970. That was the original Crazy Horse with Danny Whitten on guitar and, uh, and that one Jack Nietzsche on piano. Neil Young kicked that song around for a long time, never releasing it until he did that uh, weird album, Everyone's Rockin', or Everybody's Rockin', and did a video with a sort of a fake doo-up group riding around in a convertible singing a, a version of that, a, an inferior version of that. Needless to say, because doo-up pastiche tends to suck, there's a majesty and a mystery to do that uh, is beyond parody. Sometimes it's ethereal sometimes it's from space and sometimes it's so raw and real you can't hardly believe it check out this song by the earthquakes from Detroit order in which they appeared you just heard the earthquakes with this is really real sure was yeah, that's the kind of thing man the, the, the dissonance is gorgeous and the the rasp and the and the, the rawness of it is, is smooth as silk it's just powerful to my ears just something that is seldom captured on a record and uh, that example Blows my mind. I don't know. If if you don't like that, I'm. There's no way I can persuade you. Uh, you either get that or you don't. I mean, uh, give it another listen if you didn't get it. It this it, go in, dive in there, just dig, dig around in there and feel it, man. I, I, I don't know. Then as a little after dinner mint, I gave you Rosy Medra by the English composer, the great English composer Rafe Vaughan Williams, originally an organ work. And the organ version is beautiful, but uh, so is that orchestral transcription. The melody is an old hymn from Wales. After that was, I Never Has Seen Snow. This is from a musical. It was an unsuccessful show from 1958 called House of Flowers, a collaboration between Truman Capote and Harold Arlen. The song was originally sung by Diane Carroll, I think. And it's... uh, what would you say it's much more of a character piece than the original one it's it's there's a lot of whooping in it and it's okay you know it's nice but it's it's a totally different character than this recording which was done by Beverly Kenny who had a uh, very short life and a short career she was a jazz singer who was very much in the thrall of Billy Holiday and a lot of her records were a little bit too much in imitation of Billy Holiday but when she hit it she was pretty exquisite unfortunately she was a very troubled person. Attempted suicide several times and succeeded in 1960 with an overdose of second all. Very sad. I didn't set out to make this a theme show about suicide, but along with other things that are difficult to understand, sometimes it happens, as we are reminded in this song, written by Brian Patton, sung by Linda Thompson, about the sudden, inexplicable ending Of A Friendship.
7: Sometimes it happens That you are friends And then you're not friends And friendship has passed Whole days are lost Among them, a fountain empties itself. And sometimes it
8: happens
7: that you are loved, and then you're not loved. And love is past. The whole day's are. A fountain Empties itself Into the grass Sometimes you want to speak to him And then You do not want to speak Then the opportunity is past. Your dreams flare up, they suddenly vanish. Sometimes it happens, there is nowhere to go, and then there is somewhere to go.
3: Tonight. Our
4: founders, when they started, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary. Talking when...
3: about impeachment.
4: Abraham Lincoln score and seven years ago.
3: Talking about impeachment.
4: Thomas Paine, now are the t- these are the times that try men's souls, the times that found them. Talking about
3: impeachment.
4: Longfellow, remember, listen, my children, and you will hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Talking about impeachment. Hardly a man is now alive that remembers that famous day. There
2: were no crimes, no crimes.
7: Ukraine
1: Little touch of topical levity there Kinda past its sell-by date, maybe, but, uh, So it goes in the hurly-burly of our contemporary world Hardly matters, you can view that as a collector's item Anyway, had to get out of that somber mood, you know It's getting to me I should mention, though, before I drop it, that the Brian Patton song. He was a member of Grimm's, uh, and he was a poet mainly. But he was a member of Grimm's with Neil Linnis, who uh, played piano and arranged that song that you heard Linda Thompson singing. Sometimes it happens, but maybe this is the time to shake off the darkness. And I know how. That promised selection by Bobby Goldsboro. Uh, uh, That's right. Here we go.
9: I remember when I told you that I'd try in every way To hold you and kiss you and love you and keep you till my dying day You just laughed and said you found somebody new And you didn't need all the things I could do Now you've found out that your new love isn't true like he should be you say that you're gonna forget him and you're gonna come back to me well things have changed and i found me somebody new someone to make me forget about you and i'm telling you that it's too late to say you're sorry it's too late to say you're mine i have found myself a new love and i'm going to make a mine it's too late It's too late Many days I tried to call you Many nights I spent alone Everyone knew that I loved you But you had a love of your own But now that it's gone You think you can come back to me But I'm not the same fool that I used to be And you're gonna see That it's too late to say you're sorry It's too late To say your mind, I have found myself a new love, and I'm going to make a mind. It's too late. It's too
6: late to say your mind.
9: It's too late to say you're sorry.
1: Bobby Goldsboro Cosmos, which is a side project of Away, Who is, and it is a who Not a member of the who A member of Voivod That's right, Voivod He's the one who uh, pounds the drums He's the guy who kind of constructed Voivod's mythos And does all that artwork that I've once described to someone as the apotheosis of The kind of shit you draw as a kid on the cover of your school books More music Alright, alright, I can take a hint Jeez. I'm going to play another oddity for you, maybe two. This is from Jerome Kern, who, of course, wrote such immortal tunes as Old Man River and Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, All the Things You Are, Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine, etc. And he did one piece of instrumental movie scoring. This is for a silent movie, it was a serial called Gloria's Romance, kind of a Perils of Pauline kind of a thing, which apparently is lost. But we do have this music, and just like Leroy Shield's music for uh, Our Gang Comedies in Laurel and Hardy, which uh, it actually resembles to some extent, these were cues that were supposed to be used throughout the showings of these episodes. So they're supposed to evoke specific moods as reflected by their titles. I'll play another one later, but This one's called Conflict.
0: to suggestive sell because it was important to my job I knew it was important but I didn't quite understand how to do it until I attended the sales workshop at the workshop I learned all kinds of things about suggestive selling to our customers and really giving them the kind of servicing they expected Kentucky Fried Chicken the important thing I learned is selling a natural part of me now that I know all about suggestive selling let me share the reasons with you suppose your customer was a big, burly, hot, juicy, tasty, delicious construction fellow who walks in during the noon rush. If someone walks in and says he's hungry, that's all we need to hear. He's probably got a big, yes, appetite. And then if he really looks hot, there's your chance to really help him out.
3: Women have a question on their minds. And every day, all over town, Colonel Sanders and his boys are cooking up
1: the answer. Oh my god, can you imagine that? That's an actual employee training tape. Personally, I find it problematic. New on NBC, here's Boomer.
2: He's a lovable mutt with a vagabond heart, but when you're in trouble, it's Boomer to the rescue.
1: Well, guilty as charged, I guess. And about 30 years ago, when I was young, I perpetrated the following... It's a pair of songs that were intended as one track on a solo record that I was making when I was in a band called The Skells. The solo record was abandoned and because some members of The Skells played on each of these tracks, each was later released separately uh, as a Skells track. One was on a cassette and one was on a single. This is what I was referring to earlier when I was talking about my disgust at the way my siblings behaved Back during the heady days of the New Left and beyond. When I would sit there at ten years old and go, What the fuck? It seemed to me an operatic and protracted bout of whining and pissing and moaning, during which they made my parents into non-people. Do you know what that means when somebody makes you a non-person? I hope you don't. To this day it bewilders me. Here are my observations at the time. The first one's called Your Pain, which is the necessary negating of the target person's emotions in humanity. The second is Love Me Enough, and it articulates the puerile demand made so loudly and so often by my siblings, a demand that could never be satisfied. But here they are for the first time in their original intended form, for what little that's worth.
9: Whoa, whoa, Hold whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Quite a trip, wasn't it? Jesus. But now, for that dramatic moment you've all been waiting for.
1: That was Villainy, which was another of Jerome Kern's musical cues for the silent serial Gloria's Romance. And I forgot to mention before when we played the first one, which was Conflict. Right after that, I had played a track by John Fahey. That was from his album Old Fashioned Love, which was one of a series of records that he did on reprise back in the early 70s to mid-70s. Usually, of course, he was playing solo guitar or duets on that album, and others like uh, of Rivers in Religion and After the Ball. He played with, uh, among others, Joel Druckman, who had been in the Bonzo Dog Band, and also a lot of old-time New Orleans guys, first-generation guys, really old folks. And he was trying to kind of weave an American tapestry of different styles, earlier styles. And, of course, the purists, the what they call the true fans, rejected these albums. Just like a lot of Phil Oaks fans rejected the Gold Lame, and Bob Dylan's fans rejected the electric band. You know, you know how it goes. Same old story. Do I seem like I'm preaching a lot tonight? I don't mean to, but it's my podcast, so fuck it. But all that aside, transformations of artists always interest me. It just occurred to me now, the singer Eugene McDaniels, had quite a personal turnaround in the middle of his career. He had racked up hit after hit, which is, of course, the title of his greatest hits LP. His big hit was "A 100 Pounds of Clay, but he had other ones like Chip, Chip, and another Tear Falls. And then at some point he became radicalized, very uh, militant, and recorded an album, Headless Heroes of the Apocalypse which was a fiery album, afrocentric, angry. And the music was very funky, very jazzy. It proved to be a fertile source for hip-hop samples. Tribe Called Quest used things from it. Beastie Boys also had great success with some songs he wrote. Roberta Flack did Feel Like Making Love. Les McCann and Eddie Harris did Compared to What. So bravo for Eugene. But uh, it's a shame that he renounced his early stuff as sellout music, because uh, it's, it's great pop, you know, uh, nothing wrong with it. I'll play one for you in just a minute, but first I want to play a song from a movie I recently saw, Weathering With You, it's a Studio Ghibli animation that I really enjoyed, and this little tune struck me, and then after that we'll hear some Eugene McDaniels.
5: So, it would have been so easy then for me to turn and go. But now there's no leaving you. I know that for a fact, I'm at the point of no return. And for me, there'll be no turning back. I told myself you'd always be A habit I could break, but now a day without your kiss would be so hard to take. You just can't get off a train that's moving down the track. I'm at the point of no return, and for me there'll be no turning back. I could have said goodbye, but that was at the start Now I think I'd rather die than be the one to say we'll part Maybe you will break my heart, or maybe you'll be true No matter what the future brings, I've got to see it through is nothing but an act I'm at the point of no return and for me there'll be no turning back yeah for me there'll be no
1: from his album The Art School Dance Goes On Forever which created a notable artifact The piece of art that was on the cover featured all sorts of notable figures of that time and place England late 60s including Vivian Stanchel from the Bonzo Dog Band and Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd of course and Pete Brown sought everybody's permission to use their image so they all signed informally on a piece of paper lots of big names like Pete Townsend and so forth but there were no bigger names to me than Sid Barrett and Viv Stanchel. And there they are, those autographs on that piece of paper. What I wouldn't give. But that song was High Flying Electric Bird. Previous to that it was The Point of No Return by Gene McDaniels, I talked about earlier. First heard that song, not when I was young, but when I was uh, much older and attended a screening of a bunch of Kenneth Anger films. He attended the screening and uh, met him. It was kind of interesting, but... One of them, uh, one of these montages of muscular guys polishing chrome and whatnot, used that song as a soundtrack, and it just really knocked me out. And before that, it was Radwimps doing Visiting Home from the Weathering With You soundtrack. Boy, time's moving on, isn't it? Not sure how long I'll go, but for now, anyway, I, I mentioned Pete Townsend. Now, when I was a kid... <laughs> we'd have a drinking game we take a shot every time i say when i was a kid but when i was a kid i went to a youth center which was part of a drug rehab center that both of my brothers were attending talk about a drinking game um, <laughs> but there was always a lot of music in the place it was very loose and very countercultural in the best way actually and one of the things at that time that came out was a record called Overture from Tommy and I loved it and uh, the melody of it stuck in my head for several years and at some point I decided that I needed the album Tommy but I had no money me and my friend Woody, my late friend Michael Woodworth, I just found out he died a couple of months ago, kind of shook me um, but uh, here's to you buddy We were determined to get a copy of Tommy, so we actually went on the bus and with a tin can asking people to give donations to the Tommy Fund, explaining that it was a deaf, dumb, and blind kid. It worked, I can't believe it worked. We raised the six or seven dollars necessary to buy Tommy. Man, was I thrilled when I got it home. You know, we sat down, tore off the shrink wrap, and it folds out three ways and there's this book and all these surreal paintings. It was the best, you know. And I even remember the inner sleeve. It was all these ads for other records on the label. And the one I remember most was The Age of Mouse by Doug Ashdown. I looked it up on YouTube a couple of years ago. It actually isn't too bad. Anyhow, Tommy queued it up with no hi-fi, dropped the needle for the overture, wait for that melody, that French horn melody, you know, and it happens one time, one time. I, I was, I was hoist on my own petard. All my, uh, all my chicanery, all my uh, dishonesty, all my uh, conniving. I got this thing, and it wasn't what I expected. Of course, we wound up loving the album, got absorbed into it, and became big Hoof fans. But it wasn't. What I was expecting, the overture. I don't know. I, I didn't. It wasn't until last year that I discovered the record that I was hearing at, this, at Direction House was actually not the Who. It was the Assembled Multitude who had a hit with uh, "United We Stand," and they did a version of the overture that based it on the melody of uh, the Doctor's theme, which was that French horn melody that I loved so much so finally I heard the thing that I was looking for all those years ago and I could have got it for like a buck and change as a single live and learn with the backing tracks this guy that was Frank Zappa's I Ain't Got No Heart from the first Mother's album Freak Out backing track isn't that amazing I always found the sound of that record to be a little bit muddy compared to Absolutely Free and Morlena for the Money so when they released this Mofo set which included that backing track I was surprised by the clarity of it so much stuff going on I hadn't heard before Slade Did a great cover of that song. Did I ever tell you how much I love Slade? Anyway, the song in the middle, Night of the Lions by Mark Eric from an album, Midsummer's Daydream. Kind of a sad story. Mark Eric was a very talented guy who did that one album. He was a real Brian Wilson disciple. And at the wrong time in history, he decided that he wanted to take that Pet Sounds thing and do his own his own take on it, his own songs. And he labored over this very beautiful album, most most of which actually sounds right in the pocket of uh, Brian's mid-60s productions. But again, it came out in the late 60s and nobody cared about Brian Wilson, let alone somebody trying to sound like Brian Wilson. And it was to Mark Eric's great shock and dismay when he discovered that he was kind of a write-off for the label. And nobody ever expected the album to sell, and they didn't promote it, and... There went his career, and there went his dreams. I tell you, I shed a tear when I read those liner notes. It's rough stuff. But it's a great album, it really is. And that Night of the Lions is not typical of it, but it's uh, terrific. And it has that roaring French horn that kind of ties the songs in this little mini set together. After that kind of cheesy, overture to Tommy by the Assembled Multitude, which I just love from, you know, nostalgia's sake. Now, on an early buckaroo holiday, I played We're on the Right Track, and I played a few excerpts from different versions of it, one of which was a version by Blue Magic. My friend Tony enthused about Blue Magic, so I thought, why not play another song by Blue Magic? The whole thing this time. Not a big hit as far as I remember. First heard it on Soul Train. From the fabled year of 1974. Never gonna get over you.
3: Except the fact that we're through, what am I gonna do? Never gonna get, never
10: gonna
3: get over you. One time, we could kiss and make up. This time, I love
1: Sometimes one's rationale for song sequencing might be obscure. There we had a piece from the 1600s by Michael Pretorius. Brunel de la Torche, which is as close as I'm going to get to pronouncing it. It's one of the numbers from Dances from Terpsichore. Before that was period music by the High Llamas. So I figured I'd play some period music from like a real early period, you know. And also the first song was a dance tune, so I played period dance music the reason i played the high llamas is because tony who i mentioned before is fond of the high llamas and i also thought uh, corman pat boyle would appreciate them because to me they have a little bit of a yacht rock vibe and they take a little from brian wilson a little from steely dan make it their own i like them
6: Shadows get me And be ready, Teddy For when the cupboard explodes And don't cry, Teddy For there's someone to turn to And Teddy Let all the other Teddies know The only time I'm not tired Is when I'm asleep Everywhere there are angels But we never meet Teddy Don't let the shadows get me And be ready Teddy When the cupboard explodes
1: time I'm not tired is when I'm asleep. Everywhere there are angels but we never meet. The incredible Bill Fay. He's got a new album out. I haven't heard it yet, but I sure hope he's enjoying his rediscovery and his renaissance. He sure deserves it. I think this is enough of this show. I hope the tone wasn't off and that you enjoyed it. The show about my own songs may or may not happen in the future, if I can do it. I'm sorry to anybody who actually, sincerely sorry to anybody who was expecting that and is in any way disappointed. Couldn't be helped. But between now and the next Buckaroo Holiday, I wish for all of you miracles and joy and togetherness, dreams, discoveries, windfalls, reconciliations, health. Happiness.
2: Take a cup and a half of sunbeams, pour them into a deep blue sky. Add a couple of drops of love dreams and make yourself a happiness pie. Take a spoonful of pleasant weather, any June day will qualify. Stir the mixture up all together and make yourself a happiness pie. Remember four and twenty blackbirds, one day we baked into a pie. Or just forget about the blackbirds with the bluebirds so close by. Have a filling of hugs and kisses where the sweetness to sad is fine. For you don't know what love and bliss is till you make yourself a happiness pie.
1: I'm sorry to be talking over Jack Payne and his BBC dance orchestra like this, but it's another thing that can't be helped. We've got to end this show. Now, this is being recorded on Super Bowl Sunday, early in the day. Game hasn't started yet, but I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict that Lurzimer will drop Quazo on the 10. If, by the time you listen to this, that is proven true, you owe me money. We'll talk about it. I do enjoy hearing what you think about the show, so write me on Facebook or by email. Again, I can't reply to the comments on Podbean because I don't have a smartphone it's something they do I don't know so earlier in the show I played Alan Price's opening song for Lindsay Anderson's great film Oh Lucky Man and uh, on that wonderful movie and on the wonderful soundtrack of it there's an altered reprise of the song at the end so appropriately here at the end here it is may knowledge hang around your neck like pearls instead of chains and good luck from Buckaroo Holiday.
5: Scene 49, take one. Cut.
9: Scene 49, take two. Model RA 89, 22-inch self-propelled rotary with a revolutionary new disc drive. Cut. Let's do that, over.
10: Cut.